folks to Desperately Seeking Entertainment. I am Chris Peterson. I am one half of your hosting team this week. Joined with me as always is Mr. Ben Frawley. How are you, sir? What's up, Chris? What's up, people around the world and the internets? We got entertainment flowing through our veins this week. Hope you're pumped up. Hope you're excited for some good news today. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely. Definitely. Well, Ben, I mean, if this is the the first time that, you know, these folks are joining our podcast, what we like to do is try to bring, you know, a couple stories uh, in the week uh, in the world of entertainment, things that are interesting, peculiar, uh, preposterous, who knows. Uh, and then we, sometimes we, we cross over into different genres and, and different subject areas and things like that. It's a free-flowing discussion. But the kicker is I have no idea what Ben is bringing to the table this week. And Ben has no idea what I'm bringing to the table, so to speak. And so all the comments that you're hearing, the reactions, this is all genuine, folks. It's all genuine free-flowing discussion. So, um, yeah, that's that's basically it in a nutshell. So, Ben. Let's kick. Why don't we kick it off? Why don't you start, my friend? What do you got this week? All right. So, you know, a lot, lot going on in the world, um, but this is an entertainment podcast. So I'm going to try to keep us over there. Um, I know that there's a lot I could say about everything going on. And I know, Chris, that you've had a lot of stories uh, on your blog and stuff like that and people posting things and just weird, weird stuff. And we'll probably mm. get into that later. But let's start with something positive. OK, yes, please. Um Yes, <laughs> please. I'll, I'll, it took me a while to dig through my news feed to find something positive. So let me find one. So Chris, uh, last Friday, you know, to begin to begin this whole quarantine coronavirus thing, we had a concert from the Dropkick Murphys on uh, St. Patrick's Day. Yes, and that was great. And it was, you know, they they did the distance thing. But this Friday was something I. I don't know if we'll ever see again or hopefully we'll see again, but we saw a band play on the infield and the pitcher's mound of Fenway park. Uh, the dropkick Murphy's played along Bruce Springsteen. They played Rose tattoo with Springsteen on the jumbotron, which was one of the coolest moments I've ever seen ever, just period. That was so cool that Springsteen did it with them. I didn't know he was a fan. <laughs> that was awesome. Um, and you know, they were making, they raised a ton of money for coronavirus relief and a, a bunch of other charities that night. And I, it was, it, you know, a couple things I want to say there. I don't understand why there's not more bands doing something this big. Um, the dropkicks themselves said, you know, to stay within state regulations, they, they could only have 35 people within the park. And that means crew, audio guys, security, um, you know, groundskeep crew, everyone in Fenway Park, mm. 35 people to put this thing and band. So that was a feat in itself. Um, and there wasn't a flub on the audio. The drone work was amazing. Just production value was off the chain for 35 people to put that on is unreal. Like you just think of if we were trapped indoors five years ago, there's no way something like that would be able to be put all, pulled off. You know, our phones wouldn't be able to stream it. We, you know, I wouldn't be able to Chromecast it anywhere. I'd be watching right. it on my laptop, maybe as it buffered through my house or something like that. The nightmare of watching that. Um, it was just, I marveled at the technology that went into it, that streamed it live to my basement. And I wa- I ran around the room mosh moshing with my six year old. It was great. Um, I apologize to Katie for having a house full of boys <laughs> afterwards. <laughs> um, so she's definitely outnumbered. She's like, all right, I'm going to go upstairs now. As opposed to watching these Irishmen scream at me a second time. And I let her go. Uh, I understand. So, Chris, what were your thoughts? Those are my thoughts. I thought it was great. I thought it was a great shining positivity. Uh, one of the One of the only positive stories I could come up with this week. Chris, what were your thoughts? I loved it. I, I, I didn't watch the whole thing. I probably watched a good 20, 20 minutes straight of it. Um, but I mean, it was great. I love the fact that there was no stage to just like wandering around the infield uh, the, entire, the entire concert. It looked great. First of all, it was also great seeing Fenway Park again. I mean, we haven't seen that yeah. all spring. Um, so it, it, it was a nice escape. And, and it, it's weird to say that like the dropkick Murphys are an escape because it's not like it's the most serene uh, music ever, but uh, it was, it was like for a minute that yeah. I forgot kind of what was going on and I could kind of just enjoy music and, and kind of that angsty feeling of like, Ugh, yeah. Um, 
so it was it was a good positive experience and and I think you nailed it on the head. I mean, five, ten years ago, this would be impossible. I mean, if I if I said to anybody five, ten years ago, like, oh, by the way, we you know, what can we stream a concert like this? They'd be like, What are you crazy? Like, no, you gotta you gotta film it the old way and then do it like, you know, a, a documentary style and stuff like that. You know, it, it's amazing to see where right. you know we've come. And uh I, you know, the, the the fact that this is the second time the Dropkick Murphys have done this. Uh, they were the first really to do it. Now uh, they've done it again. They deserve a lot of credit for this. Um, and, and it's and Chris. It's, what do you have an answer for me? Like why more bands aren't doing this? Like Dropkick Murphys. I know them. You know them. You know, being New Englanders and Red Sox fans, of course. Yeah. Um, and you know, just in you know, in general, we know them just from being in our area. Um, but there are definitely bigger bands out there of music that maybe we don't even like like Katie's big country person. And there's been a couple country stars, but they just did the, you know, Garth Brooks did some, but it was just like a stay at home thing. It wasn't like a concert somewhere. So how come there aren't more big acts putting on in empty arenas like this? I don't, I don't know the answer. You know what? Honestly, I think the answer is money. You know, they can, Mm. a lot of these bigger bands, they can, you know, say, Oh, we, we, you know, it's to raise money. We want to do it, you know, for charity and things like that. But I think the bigger acts that you get, the more complicated it becomes and people have to get paid in a way. I mean, you know, when you think about the monkey, got to feed it. And, you know, if Taylor Swift (laughs) says, I'm going to play a concert in an empty giant stadium, you know, someone's got to pay for that. And I think when you get these acts that are just so big, it, it just becomes more complicated and then more people get involved because look, you know, the dropkick Murphy's doing a concert in Fenway park. That's one thing. It's not going to attract um, these big time, you know, forces. Whether it's music agents or recording companies and getting, you know, the most exposure for their star and things like that. No, it's the Dropkick Murphys. They can do whatever they want. But again, like people like Taylor yep. Swift, like you know, Selena Gomez. I mean, all these big stars. Uh, it's it's a. I'm sure it's a pain in the ass to try to put things like this um, together. That's why I mean, the you know, the Indigo Girls doing just a concert in their living room, which looked like my living room, by the way. I, I, I said to myself, shouldn't they be doing a living better than I am? Um, that's, <laughs> that might be like the easiest thing to do. Uh, but yeah, I think it's just the more, the bigger the name, the more complicated it becomes. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I, I appreciated the farm aid and I think I, maybe I said something about it. It was okay. Um, you know, yeah. and I get, like you're saying, you know, John Cougar, Mellencamp and Neil Young, you know, they, they don't want to have all the publicists and all that stuff get in the way. And they just rather, you know, have a home studio play and then just have it broadcast out. That's, that's a cool move. And then more money goes to whatever charity they're trying to do in that case, farm aid and stuff like that. Um, but you know, that, that really, it just put me into question. Like, I mean, I loved it because I love the drop kicks and I love Fenway. I love Red Sox, but you know, there's bigger acts that should be doing this. And here's, here's the drop kicks. All the money went to a good cause and say what you will about their music. And like you said, it's not the most calming music of all time, but (laughs) there's something about their music that is um, a release, you know, watching someone Mm -hmm. just scream at the top of their lungs for two hours. It's that it's a, it's a good release that it's authentic country needs. Yeah, it is authentic. And you know, when uh, the lead singer just gave a shout out to the mental health, field and the drug and alcohol counselors uh you know i personally was touched that was awesome you know just you got a sense that these guys are doing this not yeah like you said chris not for publicity like they they are what they are the dropkicks are the dropkicks they're not gonna be like they're not gonna come out next week and like oh i got a solo album it's a it's a pop you know hit you know i'm gonna be on america's got talent next week it's not (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> They'll never do something like that. They are what they are. You know what I mean? And they and that I think that's what's so refreshing about them is they're not going to change. Even when they have a new song called Mick Jones, uh, Nick My Pudding, which is <laughs> a ridiculous song. And it was played to a cartoon. It's about the uh, guitarist from The Clash stealing the lead singer's pudding. It's a ridiculous song, uh, but it's still like it, them. It's so like, a thousand percent dropkicks like us. So like they don't they didn't make it for anyone. It's not like they were like, oh, I gotta hit that Mick Jones market. <laughs> mm. The song is obviously targeted to people that like their music anyway, and they just make music that they want to hear. And I don't know, there's something so refreshing. It was it was just a great night. So that's that's my first big story of the week. 
Awesome, man. Awesome. That's that's great to hear. That's great to hear. Um, well, uh, before we got to get into the big subject that is obviously dominating headlines, one uh, thing that happened last week, sad note, uh, but I kind of want to celebrate it rather than you know mourning it, uh, is that we lost Fred Willard last week. And, um, mm. you know, that was a, a crushing blow to me personally. Ben, I know that you admired the man as well. Um, <laughs> you know, you are a spinal tarp. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the thing is, I always love Fred Willard. The, the man, just seeing his name in the credits, seeing him appear on screen, he elevated every single thing that he was in. Um, spinal tap, you had that one scene as the, the, the Air Force... <laughs> guy guiding the, the band in um obviously his appearance kind of likes to let show. our hair down around here <laughs> <laughs> uh his entire i mean he saves i shouldn't say he saves but he is the highlight of the third act in best in show as the commentator uh of the dog show oh yeah and the oh, fact yeah. that that was all improvised is just genius genius um and then like in other stuff these you know anchorman um just to name a few so again comedy giant i mean the the praise after his his death was kind of universal people just saying oh my god what a talent what a genius when it comes to you know long form improv um just knowing how to comedic timing uh, things like that uh, it was just really great to see that level of support so ben i just wanted to get your thoughts on on fred willard and and his gifts so to speak well you know he's a working actor he's in a ton of stuff not necessarily the best stuff. You know, he'll be in an animated feature here and there, and they just need a voice and stuff. And he was just always there. Mm. Um, but I think with the animation voiceover, I think he's in a movie. I mean, I know he's in the movie Chicken Little because I've seen it a billion, zillion, quadrillion times. Uh, <laughs> that's a Deacon favorite right there. Um, but he's also in the movie Wally. He's He is the only person in the movie that isn't animated in the movie yeah, Wally. Yeah, that's right. He plays the president that shoots him into space, the bo- the bobbling president. <laughs> and he's wearing like a life vest, like the POTUS life vest and stuff. It's, it's really good stuff. And like there's just something about him that is so ridiculous. Like the way he talks. I, I couldn't imagine being around him in real life. Like just being – a part of his family, anything he said, I would just start laughing just because <laughs> he has that quality about him. Like even when he's being serious as like the, the ex president and Wally, like, you know that he's lying to you. He know that the earth is exploding and he's about to shoot everyone into space. And he's like, everything's fine. Uh, stay calm. And he's just, he has that ridiculous <laughs> voice. Um, but Chris, you know, his most recent work I, and, and, and correct me if I'm wrong. He was in his eighties. I think when he passed away, I think he was 84. Yeah. I think he was like 80 something. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I think what he was just kind of doing for the past couple of years was making really funny appearances on uh, Jimmy Kimmel. Yeah. He would just pop on every once in a while. And that's that's the last I saw. He would he would come on like once a month or something. And, and you know, Jimmy Kimmel, you get a sense that he's a fan of just old school comedy like that. And so he would always hire people just to come on and do ridiculous things. So he would just always, you know, check in with Fred Willard, who would be like, you know, head gardener at the white house or you know some fake <laughs> sketch that he would just make up um so you know what chris you know great rip you know we don't we don't it's it's sometimes it's hard to comment on someone that passes away we've had other people and you know you go through their catalog and they're you know as they say they're that guy but fred willard is comedy gold and i hopefully a lot of his bits at least will go down in history and, and live on in his work well said. Well said. Absolutely. Rest in peace, sir. Rest in peace. All right, man. What's your number two this week? Yes, yes. All right. All right. I got some bummer pieces. You ready to get into it? Uh, oh man. All right, let's do it. I'm I'm gonna stay away from I'm gonna stay away from the story. Okay. And just go into entertainment. We're gonna stick with entertainment. Maybe we'll end on a down note. Okay. <laughs> we'll just end on it. Okay. Um, but this one's not good either, Chris. Uh, Buster only reports from ESPN.com. It's not just the 2020 season at stake, but it's the future of baseball. Mm. So what's going on in major league baseball is at first it was reported that, um, and this was just this week or last week that because of, of course, because of the coronavirus, there aren't any crowds. 
mm-hmm. um, to watch baseball. Now, you 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 say to yourself, Major League Baseball, like, you know, I do fantasy baseball now for the past couple of years. You you tune into any Cincinnati Reds game. I mean, you're lucky you got 500 people in that stadium. <laughs> right. But they still have exclusive streaming rights around the world. You have people in Japan watching the Cincinnati Reds. You know, you have people in Taiwan, like in my fantasy league, watching the Cincinnati. So they're fine. But what this really hurts as far as crowds are minor league teams. Mm-hmm. Regional baseball team like the Durham Bulls, you know, like the Binghamton Mets or now the Syracuse Mets, um, all these regional teams up there, up here in central New York. And you have the um, the Yard Goats. You have um, it was the New Britain Rock Cats. It was uh, around there. What was the New Haven team? The New Haven Ravens? New Haven Ravens. No, that, was the, that was the hockey team. What do you got? Oh, yeah. No, it's the New Rock, Haven Ravens. Yeah. So you have all these. New Haven, yeah. You had all these teams that are struggling, and so it first started, it came out last week that a lot of their doors are going to be shutting, which Mm. that is a lot of local um, businesses. That's how businesses get their advertising out. That's how a lot of kids and adults work at these stadiums. That's a lot of jobs being lost. That's a lot of entertainment dollars just, I don't know where that's going now, Uh, you know. And, you know, more importantly, as society, as a culture, that's a lot of less people leaving their houses and staying inside and watching TVs. Mm-hmm. Just putting that out there. Like a lot of kids not understanding the sport or even caring about it. And then, you know, as let me jump out to the big story of Major League Baseball, that is the feeder system. You know, MLB, Major League Baseball differently than other sports feeds from its minor leagues and its farm system where other major sports dig from colleges. You know, um, a lot of minor league baseball players can live, can have their whole existence in the minor leagues. They can play for 10 to 15 years and make a good living doing it. Now, without that system, I don't know what baseball looks like. Chris, this is a giant bummer. And if it doesn't hurt baseball, in the long run, it'll change it in the long run. This is such a bummer story. And I, and you know, I knew this was kind of coming. We all knew it as baseball fans. We could see a younger generation. The games are getting later and longer. Um, you know, no more Cubs baseball during the day. There's no more, you know, regional broadcast. You have to get this giant $180 ticket for the year. Like, it's just out of the grasp of kids. You know, maybe our kids watched it with us, but that's about it. Mm-hmm. So, Chris, I think this whole coronavirus has expedited the end of one of our favorites of our favorite sport. Chris, what are, what are your thoughts on that Debbie Downer story? I just said, Oh man. Um, yeah, no, it, it is. It's a depressing please, thought. Please, please say something different. Please say something <laughs> different. You know, it, it's one of those things where I, I see, I see the point. It's like, because baseball is not a timed sport. I mean, it's these shows, these games can go on for, you know, four hours. And, you know, when you're talking about 20,000 plus people together for that long of a period, I mean, you're just, you're, you're, you're playing with, you know, you're really risky dice at that point. So, um, yeah, I, I, it, it makes sense to me. And especially at the minor league, it's like, do I, even for a ticket that's, you know, less than 20 bucks, do I want to go risk that you know, to go watch a minor league baseball game. I don't, I don't know. I don't know if, it, if I would do it. And um, that, that I think is, is very telling. Um, so yeah, I think baseball definitely needs to figure something out. And you could argue that it was already kind of on the decline before the coronavirus. Um, right. And they were making changes to try to liven the game and, you know, quicken the game and whatnot. But um yeah, I wish I had I wish I had better things to say than that, but I, I sadly I don't. I can see that nightmare situation where it just, you know, all of a sudden we start hearing about the closure of farm teams, maybe the elimination of the farm system entirely. Um and yeah, that's it's just it's scary. I could see I can go one step further and I could see us doing a soft open of the twenty twenty one series of just major league cities or major cities. So, you know, L.A. teams, maybe Colorado, a Miami team, Red Sox, Yankees, Cleveland, maybe, and Chicago teams. And then that's it. 
and that's that's baseball. And it, and it'll look. I mean, I caught a couple of Korean games. It'll look like that. You'll have a ten team league without a feeder system. Like there's not enough talent coming up and stuff and not enough of a draw like i can really see it coming to that and it's like the scary as i'm telling you this it's like extremely scary it's like and what's really telling about it is if you want to bring it to a metaphorical level i mean baseball is america's sport has been always will be you know what i mean it's there's something about watching baseball in america being played by americans you know, I tried my hand at Korean baseball. I tried to watch it. <laughs> I tried, you know, I watched the World Baseball Classic or whatever. Like, it's great. It's fine. Mm-hmm. But there's something about on American soil, like where, you know, General Doubleday just down the street from me made this thing, you know, a billion years ago. And, and now it's dying. It's terrible. It is terrible, Chris. <laughs> the world is on fire. and My favorite sport is dying. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think you make a good point. I think maybe we start to see these smaller America teams like the Kansas cities, like the Milwaukee's like the, um, you know, those, those, those smaller market teams uh, start to, to, to fold because they just can't, they can't cut it anymore. And uh, you know what? I, 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 if that's the solution and also maybe a shorter season, you know, maybe I'd be okay with that. I, you know, maybe instead of starting in April, we start in May or June. Okay. Not bad. Uh, right. As long as we get, or, or maybe you end sooner. So rather than going into October, November, you're done by the beginning of October. I mean, you know, that might be a, a solution too. So, so people can be outside and less huddled around each other. I can see that too. Yeah. That'd be okay. Yeah. So to actually make it a summer sport. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So I think there are solutions there. I, I think everything's on the table at this point for baseball. Um, so we'll see. We'll see. But I'm, I'm, you know, as a fellow Red Sox fan, uh, I am crossing my fingers that we get baseball soon. So there you go. Yeah. And, and I know, yeah, it's, it's big. That was a big story that went around my league. Shout out to my league uh, that posted that story, but it's just, I don't know, man, was, uh, life without sports and uh, fantasy sports is brutal, brutal, yeah. brutal. Mm, indeed. Indeed. Um, all right. Well, moving on. You know what? Let's just let's just tackle this right now. Let's just jump in. <laughs> because <laughs> I've got it's 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 kind of my next two. So this is like my yeah my two. Yeah. My three, I just I put guess. it off as I put it off as long as we could. So uh, right. You know, so, tune out if you don't want to if you can't handle it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So uh, we got to talk about Black Lives Matter. And uh, yes. it's a conversation everybody should be having. You know, it's not it's. It's not one of those things that's like, no, we'll deal with it later on. No, no, it's it's happening now. We're seeing things that are we've never seen in, in our lifetimes happen. Uh, and a response, thankfully, that I've never seen happen either. Uh, this this new awareness, awake, you know, awakening. And, you know, obviously we're seeing protests um, all over the all over the world. I, I just saw a clip on YouTube from in I think it was either Amsterdam or France, and they're going crazy over there too. So it really has caught a, a kind of a global awareness, which I think is fantastic. I think there's, you know, a lot of positive comes out of that. Sadly, there's a lot of negative out there too. And uh, whether you're, whether it's the response by certain police departments in certain areas, obviously the federal government, there's a lot of issues there. Um, so it, it's this really tricky subject to navigate and talk about and things like that. But again, I come back to the point of as long as people are opening open and willing to have a conversation about it. Um, I think that's a, that's a positive start and uh, I'm all for that, but uh, it's, it's been a tough week. I mean, you know, I, I it's, I've tried to, I, I haven't avoided watching the news, but there, I have to take breaks. Like it, it's, it's like you're, you're, you're swimming underwater. You got to come up for a breath every now and then when it comes to this stuff. But um, Ben, I just want to get your kind of general thoughts about, Black Lives Matter, what you've been seeing on your end, and, and any thoughts that you have on it? Well, you know, I've watched the news every single night, uh, whether it be uh, NBC Nightly News. That's the one I've really been uh, getting updates from by mm-hmm. Lester Holt and stuff every night. I mean, that, that guy's amazing. Uh, so I've been watching that a lot, and their news team, just shocking. And it do- and the shock doesn't – it doesn't – it keeps getting worse. Mm. Now, when we kept um, kept hearing stories about um, George and all that 
Oh my God. I can't even say his name. It's, it's oh, George Floyd. Yep. <laughs> George Floyd. No, I mean, it's just, I mean, it just, kind oh, of just, can't come just out yeah. Of it's so yeah. horrible. It's just so horrible. I didn't mean to say it like that. I meant to say it like it's so because once you keep you keep digging into stories and it just sounds like he was the nicest man ever. It sounds like he has all these friends. He has, uh, you know, caring family. He has and he wouldn't he was a gentle giant and actually would like be, you know, quiet around like smaller people to make them not afraid of him. You just the story keeps getting worse and worse and worse. And then you hear stories about how the 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 murderer worked at the same club as him mm. I, I, I mean it just keeps getting worse i mean it, like you know sometimes like during these stories you get like well there's two sides to a story there's there's you know oh well you know he had a, a background or something. nope nope there no, there's nothing like that there is only one side that this this cop murdered this guy straight up and there's no arguing it you can try to argue it all you want but that's silly that's a silly statement and let's let's spin this though, Chris, to entertainment. Now, you know, if we're all things entertainment on this podcast, social media is part of entertainment. And we have a president that uses social media as his bullhorn. Mm. I use that word very, 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 <laughs> very on purpose. A bullhorn. Um, and he and let me put this to you, Chris. If this president wasn't up at all hours of the day, like 4 a.m. on on Twitter, just saying awful things like uh, when the looting starts, the shooting starts, um, would this situation be as bad as it is now if he wasn't on Twitter enraging crowds as he is? Oh, absolutely not. Absolutely not. I mean, absolutely not. You know, there's when you even look at other political leaders, you know, the Joe Bidens of the world and the messaging that you're seeing from them, even Barack Obama, it's like, it's calming. It's inspiring. It's, it's, it makes sense. It's not antagonizing. And what a lot of people I think don't understand is that Trump absolutely knows what he's doing. A lot of people think that he's senile or crazy or insane and doesn't understand what he's doing to this country. He absolutely knows exactly what he's tweeting um, and, and really what the intent and, and the hopeful, uh, impact it's going to make. And, uh, he's obviously thinking about his base, his supporters, what they're thinking. Um, and it's, it's a very sad, uh, terrifying thing to do. And, and I'm so glad that Twitter, someone at Twitter said, you know what, screw this. Let's just put a fact check on his, his tweets when he says something truly outrageous and stupid. And I mean, I'll be honest with you. I am shocked that they have not banned him from Twitter. Imagine the good <laughs> that would come out if they just banned him from Twitter. And I mean, you can get banned from right. Twitter for saying things, a lot less evil things than he has. And the only reason they don't is because he is a money machine for Twitter. Uh, right. So they're right. not going to do that anytime soon. But it it is so and, sad. And yeah, and you saw you yeah, and you saw Mark Zuckerberg come out and say, "Oh, well, Twitter better not." You know, and I I understand why Mark said that, like, "Oh, Twitter better not get into this, but better not get into this whole kind of argument about you know what people can post on social media." I get what he's saying, but in another sense, Zucker the Zuckerberg has he doesn't care either. He just wants hits. Right. He'll do anything for hits. You know, it reminded me of when they came out with. The social network, which is, you know, uh, one of my stories, uh, and it's a great movie, but it's quite damning of Mark Zuckerberg as a person, but he mm -hmm. blasted, you know, ads all over Facebook. Check this movie out about me. It's like, no, Mark, <laughs> this movie is terrible about you. It's not like a yay, Mark Zuckerberg. <laughs> it's not like a, like, so he's willing to forego morality and forego like anything that is decent in this world for hits on his Facebook. And he's, he's proven that time and time again. So that's what that statement was all about too. It wasn't like, Oh, we should watch out with the political landscape. If we censor people on social, he doesn't give a shit. He just wants Twitter to ban or the president to get fed up with Twitter, cancel them or try to do something nuts and then move over to Facebook. And imagine if the, you know, at Donald Trump at Facebook starts going nuts, he, how many more hits he'll get over there. That's, that's what that was all about too. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it, it's, 
as much as I hate Facebook, and I do, there's so many things I hate about it. Um, you know, it is a necessary tool now. It is the most important, uh, so I guess social network, but I mean, it, it, there's, it's probably crossed over into communication tools and things like that in the history of our world. And, right. uh, it, that's a sad reality to, to understand, but you know, with it's that true. power comes, you know, great responsibility. And we've seen people be, you know, sharing so much misinformation on Facebook. And, you know, I saw this video of this guy getting arrested in I think it was Rochester, Minnesota. And the cops, you know, arrested this guy for racial profiling. And then they, you know, the video says, then they looked at his ID and found out that he was an FBI agent. Uh, and they're like, oh shit. And they let him go. The truth is that guy is actually not an FBI agent. He was an EMT and they just looked at his license and saw the name of the person did not match the name of the, what the cops are searching for. Now, don't get me wrong. The cops definitely racially profiled this guy. So it's the, that doesn't disqualify necessarily what happened, but people are sharing this like, oh my God, he was an FBI agent, blah, blah, blah. That's, that's untrue. And so, but it catches fire and everybody starts going nuts and then you can't, it becomes right. so big that you you know you're you're the truth is like a garden hose at a forest fire. So um it, it's, it's right so and, and, and as yeah. you know, Chris and as you know, Chris, you know, redactions end up on page four of the internet. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. No one gives a shit. Like so you saying that right now or having like, oh well actually he's the no one the main story already went through to people's brains. You know, that's the same thing happened with and we've talked about that this on the podcast with deep fakes, you know, everyone always asks me like, well, what's the point? You know, I like the bill Hader videos when they make them look like Tom Cruise or whatever. But I was like, that's a company making a viral video. So a political party can go for that company and say, Hey, can you deep fake Elizabeth Warren and make it look like she's drunk on air? Mm-hmm. And then everyone shares that story. It comes out a month later. Oh, she actually wasn't drunk. Elizabeth Warren, isn't like that at all but it the damage is already done to her personality her character and her political run or whatever and that's what deep fake does is it it spins things just a little more just like you said he yes he was he profiled but oh he was an fbi agent that kicks it up ten thousand percent and gets people enraged and makes people share it as opposed to if he was just racially profiled there's probably a billion videos like that and you know they'll get lost in the shuffle Exactly. Exactly. So I'm just, I'm, I'm hoping yeah. that people just, just be smart. If you see something out there, double check it. Like, you know, if you can do research and have the time to actually, you know, find the truth and where these, some of these images originated from. I mean, you know, if you see a, a picture that's like, oh man, that's really fucked up. You can just right click on it and do a Google search to find out where that picture actually came from, because there are some images that have been released that were actually taken five, 10 years ago. And so it's, you know, again, do the do the due diligence that's basically all i'm saying so yeah yeah and you know chris <laughs> you know we we have a podcast here like about entertainment we of course i think we would be like <laughs> semi negligent if we didn't bring up like these stories right now this week <laughs> um but you know you've had a lot of uh, over the past couple of weeks just people are just getting really attack happy even after on stage, which is a straight theater mm-hmm. website in, in all, in all my eyes. And people are just l- unleashing hell, just looking for anything. And you know what? And this is a perfect storm. It's, it's partly because people are trapped inside. They have nothing to do. And there are protests all over this city and people just feel this rage. And so it's, it's a little bit of both. Yeah, no, it, you know, an on stage blog, just so everybody knows, I mean, a lot of people are, you know, we're shocked that we're getting political or shocked that we're, reporting on some of the things that we did, I, I say to those people, you must be new <laughs> because we've been doing this since day one. I mean, what put Onstage Blog on the map was the fact that we called out sexual abuse in Phantom of the Opera back in 2015. And that that's what launched us into the stratosphere and we haven't looked down since. So we have always been based on finding those stories that aren't being talked about by these mainstream theatrical publications. So... I always laugh when people are like, oh my God, onstage blog is so political. I'm like, this is terrible. I was like, no, you, you, we've, we, we haven't been hiding that. So, and what I love is, you know, in the early days, I would have to be the one kind of arguing all these points and being like, no, you don't get it because of A, B, and C. 
But now what happens is all these other readers are jumping on and being like, no, no, you don't get it because of reasons. A, B. They're doing the fighting that I used to have to do, which means the tide is changing. And that's great. It's awesome. It really is. So that's, that's a credit to them. Um, but again, you know, it's, it's, that's what this blog has always been about. It's what it always will be. And um, yeah, there you go. There you go. Awesome. Yeah, so yeah, I mean, I don't know if we covered enough, but it's, it's a wild world out there right now. And I think that social media is making it worse. So just yep. put that out there. <laughs> So hopefully, you know, um, what we're trying to do here. Yeah, I know. Let's as a segue. Uh, what we you know, what we're trying to do here is bring some positivity. Everyone's stuck inside yeah. still if you're being safe. And so we want to bring some cool stuff to watch. So let me talk about something completely different. Can we just switch it up, Chris? Please. All right. It's enough. Yeah, you're getting that funk. You ready? All right. Maybe there's like a little mark. All right. If you don't want to listen to that, then you can just come back to this. Let's switch it up. No way this next story is associated with anything we were just talking about. Now, Chris, let me talk about one of the most important film actors of our generation, Vin Diesel. (laughs) Okay. Vin Diesel is grateful for the time filming Fast and the Furious movies while Fast 9 is on hold. So Fast 9 is on hold due to the coronavirus and everything. Um, Katie and I and Deacon, we're going through the Fast franchise. We're up to four right now. And Chris, what I want to talk to you about is Too Fast, Too Furious, directed by John Singleton, starring Tyrese (laughs) and uh, Brian O'Connor himself, uh, Paul Walker. Wicked underrated movie. Chris, when's the last time you saw Too Fast, Too Furious? (laughs) Uh, Not since day one it came out. I literally was in the theaters. Uh, day one, I like that opening weekend. Where'd you go, I, Southington? Where'd you no, go? Or New Haven? Uh, Meriden. I was at the Meriden Cinemas, uh, right there. Meriden Cinema. Middletown, Middletown, or Meriden? Yeah, Middletown. Middletown. Oh yeah, um, that's nice. Right yeah. down by the river, and uh, mm-hmm. yeah, <laughs> God, yes. And I just remember people. Actually, it was a mixed bag. I don't remember people cheering or being like, "Oh my God, this is great." But I do remember like walking out, people being like, "Yeah." Some people were like, "Okay, that was okay," but other people were raving about it. Yeah. So, you know, Chris, I remember the same thing. You know, there was definitely a blowback because Vin Diesel wasn't in the movie. Mm -hmm. Um, They tried to franchise it with Paul Walker. People were definitely disappointed in that. But let me tell you, and, you know, and we've talked about how this is almost a low point of John Singleton's career, like between this run and like Shaft and stuff. You know, he moved from political important pieces to, you know, fluff action movies. But let me tell you, this is a mini Michael Bay movie. (laughs) And it has aged incredibly well because uh, a couple things, you know, just seeing Paul Walker on the screen. I mean, you know, I got you get a sense that he was just like the nicest guy ever. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's just a tragedy. Like all, all the, the outcry. He just seemed like a nice dude with a family and uh, it's just awful. Right. Um, so shout out to him. So when you see him on the screen, Tyrese is amazing in this movie, by the way, too. He's coming off a of baby boy. Just two for two. Just awesome. And then also. It's around 2002 this movie comes out. Not a lot of CGI. Of course, they use green screen when the actors are in the cars. But um, the driving's real. The cars are real. And that just comes off like crazy. Not a lot of CGI. Now, fast forward to um, Fast and Furious, the the fourth one. Um, This is getting into 2006 territory, 2007, when filmmakers thought that CGI could do anything in the world. And that CGI has not aged well at all. No. I just watched the opening scene. I'm like, okay, that looks so fakey and it's terrible. Um, But fast, too fast, too furious. Lots of real racing. Lots of cars jumping off bridges in real life. Definitely a rewatch. Um, On Vudu, they have like the bundled package. You get all of them. I'm on uh, fast forward. I'll keep you updated. But I've been trying to go through um, film series. So like um, a month ago, we went through the Insidious movies. And then before that, we went through the uh, Friday 13th uh, series. On Voodoo, they they keep coming out with these bundles on sale, and I just keep jumping on them. So, uh, Chris, what are your what are your thoughts on uh, the Fast franchise, or what's your favorite film series as far as like a big run like that? Oh man, 
that's a great question. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah. Because there's there haven't been a lot. I know of... you're a fan, of course, of Lord of the Rings. Of course, of course you know what course. I mean. But but do you consider that like a like a franchise? Like like Bond would be a franchise for me. You know. Yeah. That I, honestly, Bond would probably be my answer. Um, Lord Lord of the Rings is weird for me because I consider it one movie. I really do. I, I every time I watch it, I don't I don't take breaks. I watch the whole freaking thing in a row. And um, you know that's my thing. But uh, yeah, like Fast and you know Fast and the Furious is such an interesting thing because it it really like it should have ended after like the third one, Tokyo Drift, and that was like that was like that should have been the nail in the coffin and being like. Which by the way, have you gotten to yeah. Tokyo? You said you okay. Tokyo Drift is preposterous. It is a preposterous. We, it is movie. It is a preposterous movie, <laughs> actually. Uh, so so all right. Here's the funny. Th- here's the funny thing about showing these to a six year old. So, um, first one is almost like an indie art movie to a six year old. Super boring. <laughs> just just incredibly boring. Uh, once we got to fast forward, he's like, wait, who's that guy? Oh, that's Dom. That's, that's Vin Diesel. He was like, have we seen him before? Yeah, he's he's the main guy. He's like, I don't remember him, <laughs> which is so funny because <laughs> it's Vin Diesel. So like the first one's so talky to a six year old that he's just sitting there just waiting for cars to race. Now, Too Fast, Too Furious, that is an action-packed, Smokey and the Bandit-type movie where cars are just flying in and out. He loved he loved it. There's Ludacris in there being funny. Tyrese is being funny. Oh, my Great God. Villain. Like, Great villain. Great villain, too. Cole Hauser. Oh. Cole, and then, yeah, then there's Cole Hauser. There's no mistake. I, all right. You know, stop. What's, what's up with Cole Hauser? Why isn't he in more stuff? Because... What an amazing villain. He's he's cutting his cigar. He makes him like shoot at cops for his cigar. He, he clips the cigar and he's like, thinks of the test is passed. And I was like, oh, what a dirtball. And like in Deacon's like, man, that guy's a bad guy. I was like, hell yeah, he is. He's like in the Cole Hauser as his hair dyed. He doesn't have like the dirty blonde going on like he did in pitch black. Like jet he's black. got dyed black. If you had no, yeah, jet black hair. Black shirt opened up with the chest, a little like, you know, hamburger coming out. Out of control. Like out of control, and then even Menendez, you know, he's she's like the undercover cop that doesn't want to be with him. It's unbelievable movie. It's an it's an outrageous movie. I'm saying like this movie. I'm gonna say it's right now. It's aged better than Bad Boys. Boom. Yeah, yeah. Saying it, saying it. Yeah, there's I, a couple I, things in Bad Boys that I can't hang with, and and I'm gonna say Too Fast, Too Furious. <laughs> There's there's no language problems. There's no like aging problems. This movie is ready to rock, and I think it it caught a lot of flack because of the lack of Vin Diesel. But now it's like a breath of fresh air because, you know, we've had so many fast movies with Vin Diesel. This one is like excellent. It's it's a great it's a great non Vin Diesel fast movie that's not Tokyo Drift. So that's my <laughs> review. <laughs> I mean, I, as I was watching Tokyo Drift, I'm like, should I be insulted by anything in this movie? Like, I, I was, it was How about the title. Of, <laughs> yeah, exactly. In in, in Japan, we drift. We insult, insult right in the title. <laughs> uh, but uh, and then you know, but it's 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 a it's a series that, like I said, should have been done in three, and then all of a sudden in five. When the rock shows up, you're like, mm-hmm. holy, holy crap, we just got turned to eleven. Like we just became yeah. a heist film. And then Yeah, it, we're, it on, com- we're on fast four and, and it's well, we're on fast four and we're back into it looks like <laughs> to a six year old, it's like a it's like a goddamn John Cassavetti's film. There's a lot of talking <laughs> going on. And he is bored out of his mind. He's just sitting there. He's like, Daddy, can I have something else to eat? I'm like, all right, you know, I might have to fast forward to the next car chase. It's just it's super boring. It's not a good movie. And I'm like, kid, we just got to get through this one because Fast Five, they take their cars and it launches a safe out of a fucking bank. <laughs> it's so amazing. <laughs> and like when you watch the behind the scenes, they really did that. You know that, Chris, right? I, I think I saw that. that yeah. They pull out of the bank. It's not CGI. They really did that. And underneath that giant safe is like a car, is like a little truck that they like cut down there's a driver in there and they really raced that down the streets of like rio or whatever they really did that dude and like they added some cgi sparks here and there but that's a real thing they filmed and it just makes the movie cooler i can't wait to get to it and voodoo thank god you know i i don't know if we can product place the voodoo thing but you know we're stuck inside our houses they have like the fast fast eight extended uh extended edition so fast five is extended fast six 
7 and 8 are all extended editions. I don't know what that means. I don't know if it's more Vin Diesel grumbling at you. I don't know what's going on. So I can't wait to get the Fast Five. You'll have my full review next week. <laughs> can't wait. That's awesome. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, good stuff, man. Good stuff. Uh, all right. For my number three this week, um, you actually kind of mentioned it. It's it, it's Lord of the Rings. Let's talk about Lord of the Rings real quick. Um, ben, yeah. have you seen on YouTube this thing with, that Josh Gad is doing where he's taking casts and reuniting them over Zoom chats? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, he it's did great. it. I watched I watched all of them except for this one. Oh, okay. So yeah, he did it with uh Back to the Future, he did it with Goonies, and now he did it with Lord of the Rings. And my God, uh it is glorious. It is about a half an hour. Uh and he gets everybody. You know, normally with these uh you know reunions, you you know, you can get like four or five cast members, and it's like it's great, okay, because you got four or five of them. No, no, he gets everybody like every principal character that was in Lord of the rings is on one zoom chat and it is outrageous and uh they tell stories some of the stuff i mean if you watched a lot of those extended dvd documentaries like they they reshare some of those stories so you might know some of those things but they show yeah. new stories and things that you've never heard before um and but again it's great to see this cast together again some of them have aged beautifully others have looked like they haven't aged a, a day like elijah wood still looks like he could play frodo today um and it, it's just amazing <laughs> that dude's never gonna age anything but uh yeah no, nothing really newsworthy it's not like they're like yeah we're gonna do another lord of the rings movie um but they did talk about christopher lee uh and how great he was uh they i think they briefly chat about the amazon show that's coming out next year on amazon at least i think it is uh yeah it's gotta be yeah i think or it's supposed to come out this year but i think it got pushed or something like yeah. that. yeah of course so it, it yep. is it is definitely you know worth watching if you're a lord of the rings fan if you love those movies uh it, it's it really is a great great thing uh to see on screen so that's just my, my minor plug there you go yeah that was uh, yeah i love the uh I love both the the Back to the Future and the Goonies. The Goonies one was out of control. How they got Cindy Lauper. That was great. <laughs> <laughs> like that's like the best part of those is like he gets the people that you're not thinking of. You're like, oh, of course you're gonna get Cindy Lauper. It's awesome. <laughs> you have to. You have to. So good stuff, man. Yeah. Good stuff. All right, let's go YouTubing. Let's do it. All right, all right. We're heading to YouTube already. Here we go. Let's go. What do you got? What do you want? You go first, buddy. You want me to go? Okay. Oh, you want all me right. go? You want me go? I'll go. I'll go. I'll go. You know, mine is 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 very quick. Uh, I know I just mentioned Josh Gad's thing. Um, in case people didn't know, you can watch the news on YouTube. And I know this is going to sound lame, but you can watch the news on YouTube. There are a lot of news outlets, whether it's CNN, whether it's MS, uh, MSNBC. For those of you who even want to watch Fox News, there are tons of news outlets and, and ways to get information on YouTube. And I think with everything that's going to be going on over the past week, I cannot encourage people more uh, to watch that uh, because that is is where you can get some some actual accurate information about what is going on in the world. So YouTube is great for wormholes. You and I love, you know, falling down those wormholes and finding some really kooky videos. But like I said, it could also be really awesome. Uh, as well. And also, I, I don't know why I went on this kick this week of watching Shark Tank on YouTube and watching like clips of people getting rejected or just getting ridiculous offers. But Shark Tank is a great show and there's some great clips on YouTube. But then, you know, you can watch the whole thing anyway. So uh, those are just yeah. my two quick things on YouTube. Oh, that's great. That's really cool. Yeah, I like. I like the uh, fooled us. I think I've talked about the Penn and Teller thing, but Shark mm, Tank would be yep. a great show to watch clips of. That's great. I know uh, Katie Cat. She loves watching, um, you know, uh, performances on AGT or um, yeah. performances on um, the Masked Singer and all those shows on YouTube too. Those are great. Those are kind of like great shows to just watch clips of. You know what I mean? If you yeah. don't have time to watch like a full season, it's that's why that's why the YouTube's there. It's great. Um, so, a couple things this week. Uh, I showed a couple of these. Actually, I watched all these with the kid and uh, Katie. So, um, there's this guy named uh, John Boy Media. And he came out with a video, Weird High School Baseball Fields with a Breakdown. <laughs> um, and these are great. Uh, you got it, Chris. This is, this is really for you. Uh, 
this one you 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 could see like there's a track running into center field. Um, there's a bunch <laughs> of weird ones, and then that got me going down. Like, of course, wormholes. Five points vids had a ten minute video called "Critiquing the Weirdest and Worst Baseball Fields." A couple overlaps in there, but they go like um, they go a couple international places. This is a great vine to go down, and like they are such weird fields. Like, there's one that like, um, I mean, the track cuts the field in half. There's like one where like there's like an empty car lot, like a pickup pick apart place, like with all the cars in the back. Like, and it was like, well, we could have got rid of that weird car lot instead of like you know shrinking center field. Great stuff. Uh, then, um, totally unrelated. Med Red Meat Lover is the name of the channel. He does a salt experiment. What happens when you salt your steak one minute before grilling, one hour before grilling, and one day before grilling? Okay. Really cool. Um, you know, and there's a lot of grilling stuff out there. That, you know, we talked about the Barbecue Pit Boys and uh, the one channel you recommended, Chris. What was your grilling channel that you talked about? Oh, is uh, uh, binging binging with Babish or? Um... Oh, of course. Yeah, Babish. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, this guy, Red Meat Lover, he breaks down like really, really to fine detail why you should salt your steak one hour before or marinate. It's it's really great video. It really broke down like, you know, I was like, I started the video. I was like, oh, I, I know what to do. But then like he didn't really find. Well, I don't want to spoil it, but you need to check this out. Check gotcha. that one out. And then finally, uh, I, I had a bunch of YouTube in this week. Uh, finally, Rodney Mullen. Uh, one of my favorite skaters, of course, from the Tony Hawk games and, you know, real life. Um, he's a street skater. He he does crazy tricks. And the video is called Rodney Mullen and Physics Girl. And she breaks down why some of the tricks that Rodney Mullen does in real life should be impossible and how he's able to even attempt them. It's crazy. She breaks them down physics-wise and... It's pretty wild. This guy's brain just moves at like such a speed. He's nuts. If you know him, we would always fight to get to the end of Tony Hawk to see the Rodney Mullen video because it's one of the craziest videos of all time. So um, as a kid, you know, as a father of a kid that uh, likes Tony Hawk now, I wanted to put that out there. So, Chris, that's my YouTubing segment, buddy. Awesome. Awesome, awesome, awesome. That's great stuff, man. Um, all right, well, that's going to do it for us this week on Desperately Seeking Entertainment. Uh, ben, anything that you want to plug, anything coming up going on that you want to mention? Uh, just stay inside, stay safe. Mm, uh, yeah. <laughs> just just keep it, you know, keep it moving, people. Um, you know, I don't know about Connecticut, Chris, but up here I'm feeling pretty secure. I think we're flattening the curve. We're all working together. We're doing our part. So uh, things are going well, and uh, – Oh yeah, and I'm turning forty next week, so there's that. So <laughs> there you go, there you go. We'll wish you happy birthday next week. So there you go. Yeah, um, you know, I wanted to be in Vegas or uh, Atlantic City, but I guess I'll just uh, be on podcasting with you in the backyard. So, <laughs> which is the next best thing, obviously. <laughs> Oh, I love it. I love it. Good stuff, man. Good stuff. Well, folks, uh, we will see you right here next week on Desperately Seeking Entertainment, but you can find all these podcasts at onstageblog.com by searching for Desperately Seeking Entertainment. We are also on Spotify, uh, Apple Podcasts, TuneIn. I mean, basically anywhere you can find podcasts, uh, we are on there. But Ben, thank you so much, man. I appreciate it. As always, Chris, a good day, sir. A good day. <laughs>